Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. I love breaking the, the norm of our rhythm there and interrupting our lives with the Word of God. If you get nothing else from today, take that with you, that we as a family read the Word of God together. Hey, well, it's so fun to be together. Like you heard Megan say, my name is Andrew, and I get to be the college pastor here. And I'm telling you right now, I have the best job at our church, uh, to be with our young people who are falling in love with Jesus and, and, and really giving their life to him. I always say this, but college is such a unique time because in four years, you're, you're making the most impactful decisions that you may ever make on your life, and you're the freest you'll ever be. Don't tell a college student I said that because they think they're busy, but it's the time in your life when you can dive fully into your faith, and I just love it. I love seeing people get radically encountered by God and community. In fact, Zach Schindler in the house, one of our former college students. I love to see you, bro. So fun to see our family, college students coming back together. He doesn't live in Austin anymore. This is the first time I've seen him, so I had to shout him out. Uh, sorry for everyone else that had to see that reunion. Uh, but hey, like you heard Megan say, we've got something amazing coming up next Sunday. We've got one of our Selah services. If you've been around, you know, a couple times a year, we do this thing called Selah Sunday, where we pause from meeting in this room so we can take church to other places. Right? If we only ever met in here and Sunday was the only place where we expressed our faith, we'd be missing so much of what Jesus intended. So we plan in these pauses in our church rhythm where we go home, we go to our friends' houses, we go to our neighborhoods, and we be the church together. And our encouragement to you guys is on July 4th weekend, what a better time to do it, to invite some family over, go hang out and barbecue with your friends, and be intentional with what it looks like to live your faith with them. And, and the honest truth is, I cannot wait for next week when we come back, and on, or the week after on July 11th, and hear what happened as you took the gospel to the streets. As you went out and you shared with your family, shared your story with your friends, asked good questions of your neighbors, I can't wait to hear how much God does that, that so much happens when we do church in this room together, but I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what God does as we take it out of our houses, right? I'm excited. Anybody else excited for July 4th weekend? It's going to be a blast. And please share the stories of what God's doing. Hey, well, speaking of taking it to the streets, I've been thinking a lot about parables recently, uh, mostly because I've been reading Galatians 6, and it's talking about these parables of seeds and fields. And, and as I've been thinking about it, I've been thinking, I wish that Jesus had written parables that were slightly more applicable to my life. Like, how cool would it have been if Jesus wrote parables, like, about cars, right? I'm like, it would have made so much sense to us because it's our life today. Or, like, written parables about social media. Am I the only person out there that wishes there was a parable in the Bible about social media? It would be so helpful right now, but instead there's parables that make no sense to me about fig trees and camels, right? I'm like, how many of you own a camel? Probably no one. If you do, that's awesome and so cool for you. Maybe you understand those principles a little bit more than me, but I had an aha moment this week, actually this season of life, as I was reading through Galatians 6 where I was like, oh my gosh, it finally clicked for me. You see, my wife and I bought a house last fall and, and have been doing some work on it and, and flip, fixing some stuff up. We, we renovated our primary bath and totally flipped it and made it new and made it look like we wanted to. And, and we redid part of our kitchen. And it's been such a fun journey to fix up our house, to make it feel like us, to make it feel welcoming. And, and our goal is to host every single one of you at our house. So take me up on it. We love having people over for dinner. Uh, but as we've been remodeling, there's been this one thing that I've kind of been putting off, and that's our landscaping. 
So you see, most of our landscaping was, was pretty awesome, but there, was, there were some areas that I was a little bit nervous. And, and I just knew, okay, come spring, it's just time. It's time that I clean it out, we start fresh, we do something new. And, and so I get in there and I, I start, you know, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but I like to start with the easiest project first so that I can feel like a sense of accomplishment. So I start with the first garden bed that's like, looking pretty much great, but I want to do something to say that I did something. So I get in there and start clearing out the weeds. And then in our backyard, we had some plants that had died in snow vids. So I go in there and I dig up those and I start cleaning those out. And, and I, we, we paint our back fence because it used to be this red color. And now it's this beautiful like slate color. And it, our backyard looks amazing. And, and if you had only looked in one direction, it would have been great. But there was one flower bed that I had been intentionally putting off as long as I could. And the moment finally came, where it was like, man, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to bite the bullet and get in there. Because you see, the, the previous owners had done a really good job landscaping. They had put all this irrigation in, so the grass looks great, and the plants look awesome. They'd made really great decisions on like sun and shade, and they knew so much more than me, so I just stuck with a lot of what they had done. But this one flower bed was chaos, I'm telling you guys. It was bad, that they, they had really neglected it. So there was, the grass had grown in through the barrier, so it had grass in it. It had seasonal plants that would like grow at some point and then die and then grow again. And I'm like, what is going on? It had like these invasive species that were like overtaking and like eating other plants. It was like a movie scene out there. I mean, it was crazy. Our flower bed, I didn't even know it could be so bad. But as I'm reading this, and as I'm digging my hands in soil, pulling up these like squishy bulb things that I'm like, if you're a gardener, please explain how that works. I really don't understand. This verse that we just read together like hits me in the forehead like, oh, now I understand that parable a little bit more. Like, okay, I wasn't naturally a farmer, but as I'm hands deep in the soil digging up these things, something starts to make more sense. We're reading in Galatians, and I'm going to pick us up in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me, and I'll read it out here. Starting in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, the previous owners had been very intentional about the things they were going to sow into their quote-unquote field, the things they were going to sow into this garden. They had put great things in, but even with the best of intentions, they had let it slide a little bit. Anybody relate to that, right? Even with the best intention, there was maybe now more weeds than there were plants they actually wanted there. And as I'm pulling these weeds, this, this verse is like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. You see, I start to realize that our life, as is being described in this passage, is like this garden. That we have planted things in there and things have been planted in a limited space that is our life. And as things have been planted, things start to grow inside of us. And if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Chris talking about what it looks like to sow good seed into your life. And, but then there's also these bad things that have started to grow up that, that are growing this called sowing into the flesh that starts to grow into us. And as I start to think about these things competing for space in, in our life, in our gardens, you could say, I have this thought, if, if Galatians 6 really is true, if I really am guaranteed to reap what I sow, because that's basically what this says. You're not going to get around, you're not going to throw good seed in and not grow good food. You're not going to throw bad seed in and not grow bad food. If that really is true, 
then how do I reckon with the fact that I've sown some pretty bad seeds in the past? Or how do I reckon with the fact that maybe there's more bad food growing in my garden right now than good food? Maybe it's just me that feels that way, but I think if a lot of us were honest, we would say that there's maybe more weeds in our life than we want. There's more of those, those bad fruit things that we've maybe sown into our flesh than we really wish were there. And, and I love the, the Bible for so many reasons, but one thing I love about the Bible is that God, even if we don't understand it at the time, addresses every issue that we're going to go through. If you've heard me preach before, you've heard me say that I love the Bible so much. It's God's guidebook to our lives, y'all. He gave us something, a resource that we could stand on and, and, and stand firm in. And in, in another story, Jesus actually speaks directly to this tension of feeling like, oh, there's something bad seed in me and good seed, and how do I wrestle with this tension of, of there's, there's things that I don't want inside of me anymore. And Jesus speaks directly to the disciples in this parable in Matthew 13. We're going to put it on the screen behind me, but I just want to encourage you real quick before I move on that if you don't have a Bible, if we're going to read a lot of scripture today. We're going to, all throughout church, we're going to read a lot of scripture. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you right after the service, go to the Get Connected space. We would love to give you a Bible because this is the book of life. My words will end. You're going to lose this podcast online somewhere one day, but you won't lose the word of God. And I'd encourage you to don't let Galatians be the last chapter of the Bible that you read. All right, we've been reading it through together for the last six weeks. Don't let it stop here. Go pick something else, pick it up and read it. But we're going to jump into Matthew 13 and to a parable that Jesus is telling his disciples. Y'all follow along with me here as we read this story. He, Jesus, put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servant of the master came to the house and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you uproot the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers this, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. You see, in my own experience, I, I started to relate to this, that the previous owners in my house had, had planted good things, but there had been bad seed mixed into the ground. There had been weeds and things that, that had taken over. Ironically enough, mint was destroying my garden. It smelled great every time I weed whacked it, but it was eating and covering up all of my other plants and things that we wanted to grow. There was grass. There was all these things that were taking over. In my own life, I can relate to this of not only seeing the good things start to sprout, like Chris was talking about last week, when you sow into the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit come out, right? It's like, uh, I'm not only seeing like joy spring up from my life as I've read the Word of God, but I'm also seeing frustration come up in work. And it's like, wait, they're both in my garden. There's good and bad growing up next to each other. And I saw this happen in my own life a, a couple years ago. My wife and I, uh, we're not huge like moviegoers or all this, but we like to every now and then just watch a TV series. It's like, you know, I have something to go home to at night, chill out, rest a little bit. And a couple of years ago, my wife and I had gotten into this TV show that was featuring a family. And basically the, the way I would describe it, it was the everyday dysfunctions of this family. 
It was basically the family's mess played out on television over and over and over. And honestly, we, we thought it was funny. We related to some of the stuff they were going through, right? So we just were like kind of innocently watching this show. But slowly, as we started watching it more and more, I started to notice that we started having a harder time forgiving each other. Didn't click in my mind, but I just started to notice like, man, I'm holding a grudge over my wife. And then then it started to, to go and we would start to get more angry with each other and we would erupt on each other for like the stupidest little things that were like pointless, but we would get in these knockdown drag out fights for literally like insignificant things. We found it hard to be patient with each other and we start feeling these things rising up in each other. And I just started to get so, I like so quickly I would get irritated. And we would, we would argue and we would, I would point out little things in her and like it just, it got blown out of proportion. And all of a sudden we were faced with a choice because we had seen the weeds now growing in our life. I, I love how in Matthew 13, the servants come in and they're like, there's weeds growing up. Uh, like as if the master hadn't already seen them, but they're like, there's weeds, like, ah, like there's, what do we do? And we had seen these weeds growing up in our life. For me, it was a weed of, of anger, impatience, frustration, unforgiveness was growing in my life. But what Jesus said was when the bad seed has produced fruit, when it has grown to maturity in your life, that there's something that you do. He gave us instructions. Again, I love the word of God. Jesus is so practical to teach us and guide us. So Emily and I get to a point where one day it comes up again. I don't know what happened. I, I, don't, I probably forgot to put the toilet seat down or something. And, and we blow up on each other. I mean, just we start fighting and we get to this point where, where we're like both exhausted. We're like, oh, we don't really want to fight right now, but here we are. And we sit down, we repent to each other. We're like, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry. That, you're not getting the best from me. We repented to each other and we got faced with a moment where we had to decide, what are we going to do with this fruit? We realized that there's, there's a fruit in our life of, of anger and argument and, and division. And at that point, we decided, you know what? I think that show is stirring something in us. It wasn't my life group that came around me and said, now tell me, what TV shows are you watching, right? It wasn't an accountability partner that came to me and said, okay, I need your checklist. Is that a TV mature or is that TV 14? Like I need to know so I can like check it off a list. No, it was just, we saw this bad fruit in our life and we're like, what is it that's sowing into that? And that day we literally looked at each other and said, all right, we're done with the show. Let's turn it off. Literally to this day, we've never watched another episode. And I'm not saying that we never got in fights again. I'm not saying that we weren't able to always be patient with each other. But we realized there was bad fruit in our life and we didn't want it in us. We didn't want to have to be going through this this deal of finding bad fruit because how many of you know that when fruit grows, it drops seeds. So if we let that bad fruit grow in us, it's gonna drop more seeds of anger and more seeds of unforgiveness and more seeds of bitterness. And we decided, no, 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 we wanna take our garden back. We don't wanna just let it go wild. We wanna be intentional with what we're putting into there. And I love that Jesus tells us how to get our garden back. In this story, the master is telling, hey, how do you, how do you get the good fruit? How do you get the right things and separate the good from the bad that's growing up next to each other? And in Galatians 6, like we've been reading verse 4, it says, Paul says this way, let each one test his own work. Let each one basically look at himself and test his own work. Test what's happening in your heart, in your life not relying on someone else to do that. 
there's a diligence for us to test the fruit in our own lives. And Emily and I had to do a, a real reality check on ourselves. And Jesus gives the bad seed playbook, as I would call it. He gives us the playbook in this parable on what do you do when you see bad seed in your life? He says a couple things. First, he says, separate out the bad fruit. He says, hey, once the bad fruit has grown up, harvest the weeds. Then he says, bind them and burn them. I love that he didn't just say, throw them out. He didn't just say, go put them somewhere else because bad fruit produces bad seeds. So if they had just thrown them back in the field, it would have grown back up in another place. But no, he says, burn them. Don't let them ever come back into your life. Separate them and burn them. And then he says something that, y'all, I think all too often we miss this. And then he says, harvest the good fruit. Harvest the things that are good in your life and put them in my barn. You see, the, the cool promise in this story is that no matter what the bad fruit is in your life, the bitterness, the things that are going on, God's promise is there's good things growing up inside you as well. As the people of God, he is constantly desiring to birth good things in you. And I love that about him. I love that about Jesus. And, and as a church of this size, I know that not only do we have people in this room have, who have put bad fruit in themselves, maybe you've made choices like I did. You made a choice to watch something. You made a choice to, to say something. You made a choice to become friends with someone that's been a bad influence. You made a, a choice to walk into this organization that's now jaded you to something or the church, or you made a choice to post something or to respond to something. But a lot of us have made choices that lead to bad seed inside of us. But this parable actually describes another thing that happens as well. And that's where something happens to you that puts bad seed in your life. I think all too often we don't talk about this as the church, the moments where something has happened to you that has rooted something inside of you. Maybe for you, your parents divorced when you were growing up and it seeded bitterness inside you. And you've never looked at your parents the same way. You've never looked at relationships the same way, that you're embittered towards marriage, you're embittered towards relationship, and it's just this bad seed that was planted in you that you let grow up. Or, or maybe for you, you were bullied and you've got this, this bad seed inside of you of insecurity that it, it's just these lies pop up in your head. You'll never be enough. You'll never fit in. You don't have the, the skills to do that. You don't have the strength to, to do that calling on your life. And for you, that the bad fruit has led to self-harm or, or destructive thought patterns in your life. And, the, and in this room, I could go on the rest of the day pointing out things that may be happening in the lives of people that are sitting in the chairs next to you of bad things that were done to you. You see, because some bad seed I planted, I put it there. I chose to watch that show. I chose to be angry in this moment. I chose to, to put that thing into my mind. And other bad things were put there by others, but the result is the same. The thing Jesus calls us to is the same. As he says, when those come up in your life, grab them together, bundle them, burn them, never see them again. And then he turns and says, you know what? Look at the good fruit. I think all too often, myself included, we get tripped up thinking about the people that wronged us. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that does that, but he said this, right? She said that. My dad did this. Well, well my, my leader on the, did this and I was hurt by it. Or, or my coach said that to me. But I love the example that the master in the field sets for us. Did you notice that when we read Matthew 13, the master made no plan of what to do with the enemy. 
if you go back through and read it again, the master was blatantly unconcerned with who the enemy was and what he was up to. It blows my mind, but he was only obsessed with the harvest. The master of the story, he, he, he was locked in on the good harvest in your life and in my life. Now, please don't hear me minimize your pain. I'm not trying to say that life hasn't been painful or challenging or hard or things that have happened to you have been unfair. All of that is true for so many of us in this room, and I don't want to minimize that. But what I do want you to hear today is that Jesus is way more concerned with the good fruit in your life than the enemy that's wandering around in your garden. He is way more concerned with the fact that you would have a fruitful life. So when he tells this parable, it almost blew my mind when I slowed down and read it again. I'm like, wait, he literally only, like the only mention of the enemy is, yeah, the enemy did that. He never makes a game plan for how to beat up the enemy or how to put the enemy in jail so it doesn't happen again. Or like, let's go put, the, let's go put grosser weeds in his garden. Like there's none of that. He just looks and says, but please gather the good wheat into my barn. Please gather the harvest that it can be in my barn. The fact is he's obsessed with your good fruitfulness. He's obsessed with it. John 15, 8, we read some from John 15 last week, but John 15, 8 says this, and it's such a great scripture. This is Jesus speaking. It says, by this, my father is glorified. Now this is important. He's, his job on earth was to glorify God and die for our sins. So he's saying, look, look, look. Half of my calling is this right here. So it's very important that we catch this next part. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus' intention for you all along was to bear good fruit, was to have good things come from your life. In fact, so much so that he, that's, that's his sole identifier he gives as a disciple. He doesn't say the disciple is the person that does X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z. He says, no, the disciple is the person who bears good fruit. That's how you prove to be my disciple. And thankfully, bad seed isn't the only thing that we read about in Galatians 6, that it's not just the negative things, the, the sowing into the flesh that's talked about. But now that we've harvested the bad, now that we've gone through and said, okay, we're going to bundle and burn and move on from the bad, what does it look like for us to harvest the good stuff? right? For us to get the good stuff in our lives that Jesus is talking about. And we're going to read in Galatians 6, just the next verse from what we were reading, verses 9 and 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. We have the opportunity to plant good things now that the promises you will reap in the future. That when you sow now, you will reap in the future. And if I were in a classroom setting with you guys and you all had desks in front of you, I would walk us all through this exercise together where I'd encourage you, take out a pen and a piece of paper. If you're a note taker, you already have that out. You're now my friend. Congratulations. I am a note taker. I would encourage you to be the same. But if, uh, if you had a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper in front of you, I, I'd tell you to, to write down three things that you feel like you need in life right now. It can be anything. I feel like I need, I need more patience with my roommates. Man, they've been super obnoxious and they're not doing their dishes and they keep leaving their dirty underwear in the bathroom floor, right? Whatever your roommates do, you know what you're dealing with. 
You, or maybe you're like, I just need to trust God more. This year has been weird. I lost my job and I feel like I can't trust God. Maybe for you, it's, I, 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 need a, I have a really hard to work with coworker and I need grace to deal with them. Whatever your three are, I'd have you write down what are three things that you feel like you need in life right now. Then I'd have you write down the answer to this question. If you had known six months ago that you were gonna need those three things, what would you have started doing then so that you could have benefited from it now, right? What would you have done? And if we were in a classroom, I would give you five minutes. I would make you write it down. We'd get in a circle and we'd all share and it would be awesome, kumbaya, right? So maybe next week when you're at home, you can do that together. That's a freebie. I wasn't even gonna say that. You see where I'm going with this? Like Chris said last week, we don't just look at a tree and yell, fruit, and fruit comes from it. All that's gonna happen is you're gonna get tired of yelling because trees don't care what you yell at them, right? Nothing's gonna happen. Good fruit is cultivated. It's, it takes time, it takes intentionality, and that flies in the face of culture today. We've got this fast food culture, or I call it like a pharmacy culture that you can, you've got a need, you go deal with it, boom, bam, you're done, right? Tops, it takes 15 minutes. Now you've got DoorDash, it doesn't even take that, right? And you just send it to your house. Most of us prefer that because it's easier, right? It's so much easier. And we grow weary of doing good. We grow weary of, of, of doing what is right. But the promise is if you don't grow weary in due season or in the season that you need it most, that fruit will come to bear. That fruit will, will harvest itself in your life. As I was writing this sermon, I, I started doing a deep wormhole dive into studying plants, and that probably helps me because I now own plants, and so I need to take care of them. But I started studying plants, and, and something that stuck out to me, a plant that, that I was actually fascinated by that I'd never thought about was the almond tree. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever thought about an almond tree before. I really hadn't. But I started to, to do some research on like, okay, what is this almond thing going uh, and, and I realized as I was researching it that it actually fits this Galatians 6 metaphor beautifully. You see, when you plant a seed, it's an almond, you plant an almond into the ground, it takes a long time to grow. Now, most of us, when we garden, we go to, you know, one of our big box stores, we buy a plant that's already like two feet tall, we put it in a garden, and in like a month, it's got tomatoes on it, right? That's how most of us garden, right? It's like ready-made, you put some water on it, hope the sun shines out, and then most of us can grow at least a tomato. Uh, I don't judge if you can't do that, no worries. But we like this like, voila, fruit, like it's so easy. But an almond tree is actually crazy, crazy different. See, as I started to do research, I learned that when you, when you start an almond tree from an almond, it takes three to five years just for it to grow up. It could even take eight years before it produces a single almond from the tree. Y'all, that is wild to me. I don't know if any y'all are like just staring at me like it's normal. To me, that was mind-blowing that you would have to plant an almond and for eight years, you'd have to wait for it to do anything. I'm like, that's why I'm not an almond farmer, I guess. So you plant an almond, then it grows up, but that's not the end of it. In order to get a harvest of almonds, almond trees need to be pollinated by bees. Now, bees don't naturally live in the climates where almonds grow. I'm learning all of this as I'm studying. So you've got a problem. There's this tree that they've spent five to eight years growing that is now useless unless it has bees, but there's no bees. So literally, these almond farmers 
pay for semi-trucks to, to put bee colonies inside of them, drive across the country, open the bees, let them pollinate their trees for the month of February, box them back up, and drive them back to their home so the bees stay alive. I mean, this is mind-blowing to me that they literally, in fact, a couple years ago, there was, a, there was like a bee famine. I don't know what happened, but a bunch of them died. Uh, I'm getting some nods of confirmation from the second row. Some of y'all maybe know about that. So they're literally like paying a premium for them to truck these bees in just to like eat the flower pollen. That's all that they're doing, right? And they start to pollinate these trees. And after eight years, a truckload of bees being shipped across the country, you would think, finally, we've got almonds. No, it's actually more complicated than that. These trees grow in places where droughts are highly, like a normal occurrence, where, where it's a very arid, dry climate. But each tree requires one gallon of water for every almond it will produce. So just a little almond, you know, the size of your thumbnail, takes a gallon of water to produce. So these trees require a ton of water, a ton of attention, that they, are, they take so much effort. And then, at the end of that, after five plus years, after trucking bees across the country year after year to pollinate these trees, after watering them like mad, finally, they have a harvest of hundredfold, thousandfold for each tree that it produces good seed. And I think that it reminds me of Paul's exhortation, don't grow weary. It may take you five years to grow an almond. Don't grow weary. And I think the reason we grow weary is because it's hard work. We needed Paul's exhortation. We needed, none of us are almond farmers because it's hard. And because we live in Texas. You need to live in California for that. Good luck. So my question for you is, what are you planting now that you're going to need in three years? What are you planting now that when you retire in in 10 years, you're going to need to draw from? What are, you, what are you planting now so that when, when you lose a loved one that you are close to, you're going to be able to hold on and stand firm and not be shaken by it? Because this, if this story is true, if the word of God is true, we don't just shout fruit and get it. Yeah, the presence of God is real. God will encounter us. He meets with us. But the truth is, fruit is cultivated. Fruit that comes out of us is cultivated. And it takes hard work. If you were here Last week, Chris gave us a, 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 a letter that had four words to it. And instead of making up another letter with four totally different words, I thought I'd just steal his words. Is that okay today? Some of you probably didn't take notes anyway, so now I'm giving it to you again. This is your chance to take notes. But he, he said there's four Ds of what it looks like for us to sow good seed, to sow good things into our soil. He said the first is that we're deliberate. The second is that we do things daily. The third is that we're disciplined. And the fourth is you've got to make a decision. So I want to dive into some of these together and just give you guys some practicals. We're getting to the end of this Galatians series that has been so rich, so, so rich, talking about freedom, talking about the true gospel, and talking about what it looks like to grow good things inside of us. And I would hate for us to just close our Bible, let it get dusty, and never think about these things again. So take these four Ds, put them into your life. The first is deliberate. I wrote down underneath that, don't do life on accident. You're never going to coast to the right thing. You're always going to coast the wrong way. 
You see, an almond farmer is deliberate with his seed. In fact, I was reading as I studied that they actually have to plant three to four different types of trees within a certain geographical region so the bees can cross-pollinate. If they only have one tree, it'll never bear fruit. They're deliberate. They're so deliberate, it takes them 10 years to see a harvest. Each one of us has to be deliberate with what we choose to sow into our lives. Because like we said, there's always going to be things other people sow into you, but you have a choice to what you're going to put into yourself. You have a choice to what you're going to sow into your own life. So being deliberate. I would encourage you, be deliberate with the word of God. If you're going through fear in your life, pick up your Bible and do a word study on fear. Maybe you've never done that before. In the back of most Bibles, there's something called a concordance and it it has words listed and you go down and you just say, okay, what does this Bible verse say about fear? What does this Bible verse say about fear? What does this Bible verse say about fear? Because I'm getting deliberate with my intentionality. I'm not letting the the world just fly at me. I'm gonna be deliberate and make the right decisions. Maybe it's doing a book study like we've just done, taking a book of the Bible and saying, I'm gonna read one chapter every week. And if it gets old, then I'm just going to read it again. And I'm going to read it again. And I'm going to read studies on it. And I'm going to ask other people what they think about it. It's getting deliberate with yourself. The second D is daily. Daily. Daily, an almond farmer has to go out and water his tree. Hundreds and thousands of gallons required for one little tree. Daily, actually, I found this interesting. They have to check that insects aren't eating the tree. That if they do not check every few days, weeks, then often an insect will come in and destroy their whole crop if they're not daily making the decision to go out and check on the health of their tree. My encouragement to you is what are you daily planting? What are you daily cultivating inside of you? If you don't daily spend time with God, start today. It's not too late. It's never too late for you. For those of you who believe that, it's not true. It's not too late to start daily spending time with God. And maybe for you, you're like, I don't have time. Then do it in the car. Whatever it takes, daily spend time with God. And I like to remind myself because sometimes I can get in this like self-help bubble where I'm like, okay, my time with God is like, so-and-so was mean to me. I don't like them, right? And it's like, you can, that can be your time with God. But my reminder is, hey, my time with God is sowing the things that I need next year. It's sowing the things. And so I'm going deep into the word of God and I'm worshiping and I'm praying for people that I believe for, right? Because every day we're choosing to meet with God. My encouragement to you is this is why everyone should be a journaler. I know I'm harping on that. It's kind of a joke and kind of not. The reason though is because you may not need this this scripture today. You may not need this story that I'm telling today. You may not need this sermon today, but in a year you might need it. And if you haven't, done the work to be deliberate and daily write down what God's speaking and what he's doing and what the word of God says, then you may not have the seed planted when you need it. So everybody be a journaler. What are you filling yourself with each day? This one was, like I said, a a very real truth for Emily and I. We realized we were daily putting crap into our minds. that was polluting us and, and giving us a sour mindset. Instead, we had to say, hey, let's put worship music on our TV. Not because Pastor J.D. told us to, but because we want to be sowing good seed into our lives. And some days we don't even hear it. It's just on in the background, but it plays. If you walk into my house, there is worship music playing 24-7 because we want to sow daily into our life good seeds. The third D, and and I've got two more here, y'all hang with me, is discipline. This one is not super flashy. 
It's not super exciting. Most of you may, try, may forget to write discipline down and say it was three Ds. But discipline is setting intentional rhythms into your life and saying, I'm going to do these things. Maybe for you, it's joining a life group. Maybe you've spent two years making excuses for why it doesn't work to make a weeknight go out at 7 p.m. Guys, you need that discipline in your life. You need community walking with you. Maybe you need to be discipled. You need to go to someone that's spiritually more mature than you and say, help me follow Jesus. That's all discipleship is. Help me follow the, the example that he set in the Bible. Maybe that's a discipline you need. There's actually, I don't usually shout out books from stage, but there's a book called Celebration of Discipline that if this is your deal, if you're like, I've got the other ones, I've got my, my deliberation down, I, I do it daily, I make the decisions, but, but d- discipline is hard for you, go read Celebration of Discipline. It's an incredible book. It's a little dense, but it's incredible content. They aren't always flashy, but I'll tell you what, they're needed. And the last one is decision. I love what, Pastor Chris said last week, he said, when it comes to the decision, you've got to trust the spirit inside of you. You've got to trust that God has put the spirit inside of you. And when it comes to a crossroads moment of I can yell at my coworker, I can tear them down, I can say lies about them to make their career go down the grid because I, I don't like them, or I can pray for my enemy, I can love my enemy. When it comes to that crossroads, you've got to make a decision. And all of our hopes is that we've sown the right seed to make the right decision. But there are days that you have to choose the, the good fruit. That the bad fruit and the good fruit are both sitting there and you've got to choose to take the good fruit of patience. You've got to choose to take the good fruit of kindness. You've got to choose like we did not to watch that show or, or put that music in your mind. You have to make the decision to bundle the bad seed. How many of y'all know that doesn't just happen? You've got to gather the things and it's hard. And that's why most people don't do freedom prayer because you don't want to know the junk that's going on in your own life. But I would encourage you, do the hard work. Make the decision to burn the bad seed. Don't grow weary. That's Paul's encouragement. Don't grow weary. You see, Emily and I hit these four Ds in the story I told earlier my wife. And I, we had realized there was bad fruit and, and, and we didn't want the fruit of bitterness. We didn't want the fruit of anger. It had just grown up inside of us. And not only did we have to uproot it, did we have to dig it up as we harvested the anger and the things that we were going through, but we walked through these four principles. We got deliberate. We were intentional. We didn't just let life fly by in front of us and whatever came on the TV is what we watched. We said, no, 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 we've got to make a decision. We're not doing this anymore. We're not putting this bad seed in my life. We got deliberate. We chose daily to make the first thing we did worship and prayer and the word. Now I'll be the first to admit it's challenging when you have a cell phone to wake up and not check social media and the news and sports headlines and all the things going on. But we say, no, daily, I'm gonna put this down and I'm gonna pick this up instead. And we started to fight back in our story to win back the the lack of anger and have patience instead. And it became a discipline for us. Some days I was tired but I still got up. I still leaned in because it was a discipline that I knew was worth it to put good seed in my life. 
And lastly, we had to make decisions. We had to choose. Some days it was hard not to just flip the TV on and let whatever was playing roll. It was hard not to just turn the radio on and and let the music just wash us and come over us. We had to choose individual things in our life. We had to make decisions. Now, let me tell you, we had no clue what we were sowing good seed for. We didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. We didn't know that our 2020 was going to be the year of marital strife for the whole world, right? Where you're literally locked in basically a prison cell with your spouse or your roommates. We didn't know that was coming. We didn't know that that it was going to be the hardest year on marriages, that the divorce rate was going to continue to rise this year around the world. We didn't know that. We just knew we saw bad seed and that's not what we wanted. We wanted good seed. Now, don't hear me saying we didn't fight during quarantine. We had our days, all right? But that we had chosen the seed of forgiveness to be planted in our life. So when hard days came up, that was what came out instead. The seeds of patience started to rise in us as we gave each other a break, as we let each other off the hook. Usually Emily with me needing forgiveness. You see, we needed something we had planted years before. And that's the picture of this story, is that we've got a a field that's called our lives. And in our lives, there's good seed and there's bad seed that's been planted. And and we've got to choose which one are we going to give space to? Are we going to let the bad seed continue to rise inside of us? Are we going to let it grow? Are we going to let it fester the unforgiveness to your dad, the the bitterness towards a former coworker or colleague, are you going to let that live inside of you? Or are you going to say, hey, you know what? I'm binding it. I'm taking it to Jesus. I'm burning it. And I'm focused on what he has for me, the good fruit. We're going to worship in just a second here together. And I think there's two responses for us. And maybe for some of you, you need to do both of them. And you just need to do business with Jesus today. And I think the first is that some of us know the bad fruit in our lives. You know the bad things that you've been sowing in or, or maybe that someone else has done to you. And, and when I started talking about bad fruit, your, your like radar is going off like, that's me, that's me, that's me. You know what those things are. You know the people you haven't forgiven. You know the things going on in your head as you lay in bed at night. And for you guys, you need to do what Jesus said. He said, when you see the fruit, when you see the harvest come up, bundle it, pull it together. So maybe for you, that's writing down a list. I haven't forgiven this person. I'm still angry at this person. I'll never forgive this person. Bundle it, put it all together and then take it to Jesus. The master of the house, let the master burn it in front of you. And I I won't say that it won't hurt in the future. I won't say that you won't have to do it again Even this week as I'm writing the sermon, I was looking at my garden and I'm like, what? I literally just weeded this thing. How are there weeds? There are days that you have to go back in, that you've already uprooted something and you're like, wait, did I miss something? Okay, I got to get this part. But for some of you as we worship, you need to bundle some of those things together and burn them with Jesus. Because the reality is you're his disciple by the good fruit. And he wants you to see that. 
And others of you, maybe you need to be intentional with those four Ds. You need to, to daily spend time with Jesus, that, that you need to get a little more deliberate with your decision-making. You need to, to have disciplines in life, and you need to make the right decisions on the right days. And for you guys, I would encourage you to do that exercise I talked about earlier. What are you going to need in, in five years? What do you want to sow into? We're going to stand together, and I want to pray for us as we worship together. And as we worship, let's do those things together. Let's take the challenges and the bitterness and the hard things in our life to Jesus. And let's get intentional about our future with him. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the good master of the house. That you desire us to have good fruit. Jesus, I pray that you would birth good fruit inside each one of us. And as we do the hard work today and in these next couple minutes, Lord, will we do the hard work to burn the hard things, to burn the bad things, and see your good fruit come alive in us.